Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're talking about the world reserve currency. The U.S. dollar became the world reserve currency in the wake of the Second World War with the international treaty signed in the mountains of New Hampshire called the Bretton Woods Accord. That three-week conference had 730 delegates from 44 allied nations in 1944. It established the rules for international movement of money. At the time, the U.S. had by far the largest gold reserves of any other nation, and it made sense that the U.S. dollar was the most trusted of all currencies in the world. By 1971, the U.S. was printing more money than they had gold to back the currency, and Richard Nixon went on national television to announce that he was temporarily suspending the gold backing of the U.S. dollar to protect the economic stability of the world financial system. The response to this move was the OPEC oil embargo, where OPEC members decided they didn't want to be paid in monopoly money, and they were used to being paid in gold. Eventually, Secretary of State Henry Kissinger struck a deal with Saudi Arabia that if OPEC agreed to trade exclusively in U.S. dollars, then the U.S. would forever protect the political, military, and personal safety of the Saudi royal family. That agreement meant that the U.S. dollar's position as the world's reserve currency would be secured for at least another 50 years. It's also the reason why the U.S. dollar is often called the petrodollar. It means that if Italy wants to buy oil from Nigeria, that transaction would have to be denominated in U.S. dollars, even if the U.S. was not a party to the transaction. In order for a currency to be accepted as a reserve currency, it has to be globally accepted by almost all of the world's major players. So fast forward to the year 2022. Russia has invaded the Ukraine. Russia is now the subject of economic sanctions, and the nation's been cut off from the world financial system. Clearly, Russia will continue to ship oil, natural gas, wheat, and other commodities around the world to whomever will buy it. But now it's pretty clear those transactions will not be denominated in U.S. dollars. They could be denominated in Chinese renminbi, or Japanese yen, or euros, or even Swiss francs. But if you're a smaller country watching international trade, you would see that the world is happy for you to use U.S. dollars as long as the U.S. government is happy with you. As soon as the U.S. is no longer happy with you, you'll be pushed outside the global financial system. So would you like to be fully dependent on the U.S. for your own financial system? Or would you want an alternative? So which countries are going to be the most likely purchasers of Russian oil? Yes, that oil will probably sell at a discount to the rest of the market. But someone will eventually buy that oil. You could expect China, India, Pakistan, and a number of African countries to be buyers. Now hang on a second. When you put Russia, India, China, Pakistan together trading in oil outside the U.S. dollar, you nearly have half the world population buying oil using something other than U.S. dollars. At that point, the U.S. dollar will have lost its standing as the world reserve currency. So, what would be the economic impact of losing reserve currency status? Today, much of the world is holding U.S. Treasury bills. This is the debt of the U.S. government. Russia has divested itself entirely of U.S. Treasuries over the past several years, and given the invasion of the Ukraine, the divestment of U.S. Treasuries makes perfect sense in hindsight. The foreign ownership of U.S. Treasuries is a metric that's worth paying attention to. In the past year, Japan has taken over the top position as the largest foreign owner of U.S. Treasuries. China reduced its holding by about $50 billion, and Japan now owns over $1.4 trillion, way above China's previous holding of $1.1 trillion. The other major move is Saudi Arabia, who have reduced their holdings to only $124 billion. When the U.S. looks to sell bonds in the open market and there's no buyers, what does that mean for the confidence in the value of the U.S. government debt? In the past year, 
the Federal Reserve has put about $5.5 trillion of U.S. Treasuries on its balance sheet as assets. It's a near doubling of the $2.5 trillion it held in U.S. Treasuries at the start of the pandemic. In an inflationary environment, which we're now clearly experiencing, interest rates need to rise to at least the rate of inflation. Otherwise, there's no reason to keep assets denominated in depreciating dollars. You're better off holding hard assets that hold their value more reliably. If interest rates rise, then the U.S. government risks the so-called borrower's death spiral. That happens when all the revenue you raise through taxes simply goes towards servicing the debt. You lose the ability to borrow more because there's no confidence in your ability to pay, and that loss of confidence will eventually result in the collapse of the currency. This has happened numerous times throughout history, dating back to the Roman Empire and even before. There's no reason to believe that this time will be any different. Are there things the U.S. can do to either prevent or delay that outcome? Absolutely, yes. Are they taking the steps to avoid this calamitous outcome? Well, not yet. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.